Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 68 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today is part two of a conversation that we had last week with Dave Orison of graceforthehart.org. Dave is a pastor. He's been a pastor for 42 years. He's happily married and he has eight grown sons. And we were just talking, well, last week we were talking about parenting and narcissism and legalism. And this week, this is kind of the part two. The conversation got really long, so I decided to turn this into two different podcasts. Um, so the second half of our conversation was more about the link between narcissism and legalism, and it's extremely fascinating. So if you didn't get a chance to hear last week's episode, you can hit that up at on your favorite podcast uh, app. It's just episode 67. Otherwise, you can go to my website, which is flyingfreenow.com forward slash 67. And this one is housed at flyingfreenow.com forward slash 68. And you can apply that little trick to any of the episodes, by the way. If you don't like to listen, you'd rather read the transcript. You can find the transcripts on the website there. So let's get started on this second half of our conversation. That's a good segue to get back to this whole legalist narcissist connection, because the fundamental bottom line of narcissism is you are not a real person. You only are someone or some other force that affects my life. So as long as you affect my life, then I have to deal with you. Um, but I don't have to treat you as a real person because the narcissist literally doesn't see others as a real person right. and neither does the legalist. Right. So the legalist pastor, the legalist parent, uh, the legalist church members and, and people say, well, you know, I don't, I just don't understand the church. How can you be friends? And we've all been here. Uh, we've all been through it. You know, how can you be friends, you know, such deep, wonderful friendships for maybe for years and you cross them one time, you do something where they think differently than you do. And all of a sudden you're pariah, you know, you're, you're pushed away and they talk about you behind their back or behind your back, mm -hmm. you know, and they're cruel. And what happened? What kind of a friendship is that? That's a friendship that is self-serving. That is a friendship that didn't actually value you as a person. It valued you as someone useful in their lives. Yeah. I'm not sure that makes me feel any better, but it answers the question. And again, it's a connection between legalism and narcissism. Yep, I can I can totally see that. I was going to say earlier too that um, when we sometimes when you look, we were talking, you know, when we were talking about the Bible and how people pull out these verses. When you look at the whole Bible as a the heart of the Bible, you mm -hmm. can see the heart of God. You can see you can, you can see and and. When you look at the heart of a relationship, whether it's your marriage relationship or your relationship with your child, you can see and experience the heart of that relationship. So when people, you know, a lot of times women in abusive relationships, they'll try to explain 
the, the problems that they're having by using specific examples and other people yes. on the outside can't grasp or understand that. Or you might be trying to explain what you're, the undercurrent of feelings that you're getting at your church, because you know what? I really think people know instinctively deep down inside, they know if I make one move wrong, I am out. Yes, and so they do. that, mm-hmm. and that there's this underlying fear inside. So it's the, it's a global feeling of, or organic feeling of that you, of either safety in a relationship and being seen and being known and being loved or it's this or overall feeling of I am in this relationship only as long as I am a feeder or a source of, of uh, fuel for this church That's right. or for this God or for this husband or for, you know, this whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and that I think it, so the idea of the narcissism thing, not being, the narcissist is like a parasite. Yes. And you are just a host. And yes. if you are sensing in any relationship that you're a host, that you are a, a, a source of fuel for somebody, that's your, that's your big, biggest red flag, I think. I, oh, I, I agree. I agree. And I think... I, I use the word depersonalize. It's such a big word and it's, it's kind of, uh, it's awkward, but I'm, I still haven't come up with a better one. And I've toyed with that now for probably 15 years, trying to figure out what would be a better word that really communicates that. But the idea that someone would see me not as a person And I always say a narcissist looks at somebody as a tool, toy, or obstacle. You're either a tool for them to use, a toy for them to play with, or an obstacle in their way. Interesting. Um, And so, but you're not a person because they don't know persons other than themselves. Um, They don't care. You know, people say, well, why do narcissists abuse? Well, it's not because they're mean-spirited. It's because they have no idea, no connection, no interest in you as a person. Yep. So if they can, you know, if they can make a comment and get you riled, they're having fun. They're playing. Yep. And narcissists do that all the time. Um, or if they, you know, they steal your work or steal your supplies or, or you know, steal whatever credit they think you should get uh, or you think you should get. Um, they just do that by nature it doesn't matter to them. Uh, people don't, you know, don't understand that the narcissism necessarily, we, we talk about malignant narcissism. Um, somehow I think that's supposed to be opposed to, to good narcissism, which I still, <laughs> I still think that's a, you know, <laughs> that's like saying there's the good cancer, you know? Right. Right. Um, so, you know, but I think narcissists aren't necessarily malignant. They don't hate you. They just don't care about you, which, by the way, is the right definition of hatred. The, the person who can look at you and not see you and use you for his own purposes, that's the real hater. Yes. Because love, love takes the risk of opening to another real person. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the challenge of love. Anyway, that's another whole subject. Um, 
So there's another group in churches. So let me, let me see this. The first group is the, the people who are attracted because they're users, right? Uh, they desire to be in charge, and church gives them that opportunity. Uh, the second group are people who want to follow. They don't, they don't want to think. They don't want to commit. Uh, they just want to be told what to do. And so they expect to be sheep. And then there are the others. And, and I'm not even sure how to, I just put these all in a group. Um, they're confused. Okay. They don't, they don't look, they look at what's going on and they just don't quite understand. They're surprised when somebody, um, you know, betrays them in the church. Uh, they're disappointed. They might be oblivious to, to what's going on. Um, they will learn, they will find out, and they'll choose either to be user or to be sheep, or they'll get out because there's no, there's no middle ground, really. Uh, it's just that these churches do have a certain attraction and, uh, and do bring in new people. So that you always have to account for a group of people who don't really know what's going on. Um, but that's, again, true in narcissistic relationships. The narcissists are the users who look for people. You used the word parasite, and I've used that in the past as well. Another good word for a narcissist is predator. Really the same thing, okay? It's just one is big and one is little. Um, but the but predators look for people to use. And we think about that when we think of the serial abusers, you know, or the, the sociopaths who go out and hurt people. Um, but that's true in almost, quote, unquote, normal relationships. There are some who are users, and they look for people to do that. Mm -hmm. And so... Why do you suppose pastors are often narcissists? Well, because that narcissistic tendency to use people for your own, um, uh, what should I say, power, privilege, prestige, uh, you know, to get what you want, it makes it very easy for a pastor to do that. So it's not so much that pastors become narcissists, it's that narcissists become pastors. Right. right. <laughs> you know, they look at this and I mean, can you, you know, you know think about it. I, I've been a pastor for, like you say, 42 years, something like that. But think about a opportunity, and you hinted at this, where, where a guy gets in the pulpit and proclaims the word of God. You sit in his counseling office, and he speaks for God. Yeah. I mean, nothing makes a narcissist happier than to have that kind of authority and that kind of attention. You know, he gets into a pulpit that's higher than everyone else. They all sit quietly and listen to what he came up with during the week. Uh, it's a perfect system for narcissists. Yeah. Now, you know, I look at it and I think, oh my, you know, we should just dump the whole thing. And, and I don't think that's the answer, but I do think at least let's go in with our eyes open. Right. Let's go in and understand what we've got um, to think that a denomination would be somehow separate from the secular type of politics is nonsense. You're part of a mission organization. I'll bet that there's somebody that will listen to this who has come out of a mission organization beat up, uh, cast aside, and wondering how in the world could these good mission people do this? Well, of course, they might not say good mission people now, yeah. um, you know, but, but they, they didn't know what had happened. Well, because narcissists like mission organizations, 
they have so much power over the li- lives of these people that they send out. They decide how much people these people make they decide where these people go they decide you know what these people do how they communicate to their people they're the measurement of their success narcissists love that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so the door's wide open for narcissism in the church i think and and i think the legalist system where it's all based on performance uh, is the perfect system for the narcissist because i i, I know you might remember this from the last time we talked I, i've said for years that narcissists have a superpower. The superpower of the narcissist, by the way, just as powerful as almost any superpower we think about in the Marvel network, the narcissist can manipulate what other people think of them. So the narcissist goes into a relationship and people think they are the most wonderful, gracious listeners they're full of empathy. I've had people tell me, well, my husband, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's a narcissist, but he's very empathic. I said, no, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. So I have to get them to explain what they mean by empathic. Well, he listens all the time. And then I'll say, well, how does he use the information that you give? Well, usually he brings it back to beat me with it. Uh-huh. That's, that's not empathy. <laughs> No. <laughs> that's gathering useful information, <laughs> which is what narcissists do. So they, they, they appear to be good listeners. They appear to be supportive. Narcissists, I've heard so many times, oh, narcissists I know is very generous. Uh-huh. Okay. What's the contract that you entered into? Mm-hmm. What? No, no. You entered into a contract. You're supposed to give him something now. And then they don't have any idea what I'm talking about. You know, they think he's, he's generous. He's not, he's investing. Right. <laughs> you well, know, it's just investing in loyalty too, because absolutely if anything ever does get exposed. I've, I've been involved in two exposures of Pat of two different church pastors from two different churches. Mm-hmm. And um, both of those situations had people that were on both sides of the thing, you know, some people were supporting the pastor and some people were saying, no, we need to figure this out. Both of them eventually were exposed and yeah. were outed, but they, but, they had per, but they had purchased the loyalty or invested in the loyalty of some people in order to try to, because instinctively they know eventually they're going to be found out because they're doing naughty things. Yes, they do. You know, they're, they're naughty people. That's they right. know they're deceiving mass amounts of people. So they have to make sure that they've got all of their ducks in a row on the back end so that if they ever do, if anyone ever does come forward and tries to expose them, those people will end up getting maligned and their reputations will end up getting ruined because of all of the people that they've got on their side. It's, it's yeah. really, really sick and wrong. The whole thing is gross. But. Well, it is. And, and, you know, I think one of the things that, that bothers me the most, in fact, I'm just writing on that uh, just very recently, is it, it really ticks me off because it shouldn't happen in the church, right? Right. It, of all the places in the whole world, of all the groups in the whole world, we should be able to go to the church and find love and acceptance and welcome and kindness and thoughtfulness. I mean, of all the people in the world, other Christians should treat us as persons. We should find Jesus. We should find Jesus, exactly. 
<laughs> uh, and it's frustrating to me. I mean, I just, I, I, I get a couple of these things on Facebook of the pastors who have fallen and it's like every day, you know, yeah. and I want to shut it off because I, I just grieve every time and I don't shut it off because I need to know that reality. Um, but it's almost every day. I just read one this morning of a of a youth pastor who tried very hard to seduce a 15-year-old girl. And, you know, finally, of course, as you say, was found out, you know, but has his supporters and back and forth. It, it blows you away. But narcissists are able to get supporters. Narcissists always have supporters. In fact, chances are very good that if you come up against a narcissist, you come up against a group by yourself. And you know, you know personally what I'm talking about. Yes. I mean, you yes. stand against a, a fairly cohesive group of people. I call them sycophants. And someday, you know, I should encourage people take, you know, do some research and come up with what sycophant means. Um, but these are the, these are the people who come around behind and attack the accuser yeah. vehemently. I mean, nasty, awful people sometimes, just so they can support the narcissist. And they have all, you know, various reasons. Um, you know, they, like you said, they, they may have um, sold their loyalty to the narcissist. They may have um, desires to become part of it. A lot, a lot of times, the people who followed the pastor like that, who's been very popular um, want what he's got. They, they think as long as they can associate with him. So they're kind of, you know, second class narcissists, let's say or second step. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Well, they're, um, they're in the little, they're the, in the little aren't they're in the little nurse, the big narcissist little army. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they think they get attention that way. And of course they do. They do, and it, it works for them. Uh, we don't, you know, not everybody, not every narcissist has the same level of ambition. Some are content to, you know, rule their youth group or rule their uh, group of friends. Uh, some, honestly, are content to rule in their home. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you might have the, the dad who is just, you know, he follows the pastor and he follows the rules and he follows the, the church leadership. But then he's the dictator at home, um, you know, parroting all those rules. And so uh, we saw a lot of that in the legalist church. Um, narcissism and Christianity, I think, go hand in hand. And I, I have to be careful. It's, you always want an opportunity. That's not a statement you put in writing. You always want an opportunity to explain something like that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and, and the reason that I say that, though, is because Christians – most of us who come to Jesus want to be accepted. We come in our weakness. We come in our rejection. We, you know, we come in our pain. And so we want to be taken care of. We, there, there is a, how many Christians have you heard say, you know, all I want to do is get to heaven and sit on Jesus lap or just have him hold me mm -hmm. because our heart of hearts is tender and, you know, desires peace and desires welcome. I mean, I, I think probably of any, you know, emotion, this, this longing for heaven is a longing for acceptance and welcome, yeah. a place where I fit, a place where I'm at home. Yes. Um, and there, there really is, 
a sadness, I think, when that's not the church. Right. The church should at least reflect that. Now, by the way, I'm not against the church. I think churches can still do that. Uh, I think it's harder. I think it takes a little more effort. I don't think you can get there by counting heads and taking attendance and, you know, and uh, what we used to say, buildings, bodies, and bucks. Mm. Um, you know, if that's your formula for church success, it's not going to happen. But if you're willing just to enjoy people and let them be people and mess up once in a while and, and still love them, I think you can find that in church. Um, in fact, to me, that's what churches really ought to be about. Right. So I would say that the opposite of what the opposite, if you were to take, so this whole picture of the narcissist and narcissist run institutions, the -hmm. opposite of that is people who are, well, and also, you know, we talk about abuse, we talk about power and control over other people. So that would be the narcissist using other people, powering and controlling over other people. But the opposite of that is actually only is self-control and letting other people have the freedom to be who they are, even if that means that they don't do what you think that they should do. Right. And if that means that even if that means that they disobey God, you know, what the Bible says in certain areas, because guess what? That is, that is between them and God and it's not your business. Now it's our, our business. Jesus Christ he, he, he came to this earth and all he did was he loved people right where they were at. He ate, he ate and drank with sinners. That's what mm-hmm. he did. And that's what rocked the world. That's our job is to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I think that it's, it's our kindness that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. I believe it's our kindness and love and acceptance towards other people right where they're at on the journey is what's going to lead them to repentance. And here's the thing too, we have to remember is that their story's not over. Just because you into right. a chapter with somebody and they're in a chapter where their lives are falling apart and they're making some bad choices, doesn't mean their story's over. And you're not the catalyst. I mean, you, you're not the catalyst to say, oh, I'm going to turn this person's life around so that they can, you know, that's not your job. That's right. Your job is to enter into that, into that person's chapter and love them and accept them where they're at. I've done it both ways. I've I've done it both ways. I've done it with people where I've been, I've been the homeschooling mom and the one who knows all the answers and is is the Bible thumper. And I've entered into people's life like that. And it's not been helpful. And I've also entered into people's life since then, since I've come out of that, where I let them make their mistakes and I let them do their, you know, quote, sinful things. And I still love them anyways. And I've watched them actually come to a place of, recognition of that and how that has not served their lives. And, and I never, ever had to say anything. They were able to figure that out themselves based on natural consequences, natural feelings of unhappiness. And I was always able to be the safe person that they could come to. Whereas in the past, people would be, have been able to sense you know what, Natalie's not really the safe person that I can go to. She's going to probably give me a lecture or tell me a Bible verse or whatever. So, I mean, I, right. you know, sadly, that's where I was, that's what I came out of. And and yeah. sadly, that's the general, you know, the general perception of the church as a whole, right? I'm not going to go to church of all places because they'll just judge me. Exactly. 
Uh, and that, that to me, that breaks my heart. That's, that is, that is not what the church should be. Um, there's a wonderful passage of scripture, uh, Romans 14, four. So just Romans 14, four, it's, it's powerful because it's exactly in the context of us looking at somebody else's life and judging them. Okay. And, and Paul says, who are you to judge another's servant? In other words, you're only a servant. Right. You don't get to judge somebody else's servant. To his own master, he stands or falls. In other words, only God can judge. And then he says, and it's a lot of times you stop at the end of that, and, because that's, but that's not the end of the verse. It says, indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. In other words, at the last judgment, guess what? God makes us stand. He doesn't care what our story has been. That's not the point. The point is, do we know Jesus? Yep. Do we know his love? Do we know that he has walked with us? Do we trust that he, has, he is the one who saves us? Um, I, I'm not in the position of a judge. Never have been. Like you say, even though I thought I was once. Um, when I realized that I can't stand up and point at somebody's sin, not only is that not my job, but you know what? The master himself isn't doing that right now, right now, maybe someday, but not right now. Right. He's not pointing at that person's sin. That person might be working on something else. But that the is. bottom line is God is able to make him stand. God will do his work in that person. God will love them. God will bring. None of us will arrive in heaven. Uh, how should I say this? None of us leave this earth as perfect people. Right. We, we have all sin that we continue to do. We all, you know, I mean, I, I've got my theology about grace and, and who we are in Christ. But uh, the bottom line is we all do things we ought not to do. Mm -hmm. So how do I say that that mine is acceptable to God, but theirs is not? That's exactly what that passage is about. Mm -hmm. You don't get to say that. Right. God gets to deal with those things, and he is dedicated to making them stand. He will do that. Not, not just he might be able to. He will make them stand. Uh, to me, that's entirely freeing. Yeah. I can walk with a gay person. You know, I can walk with people who are cussing. Um, I, can, I can live life with these people. I don't have to judge them. Right. You know, no, my personal theology and, and how I look at things, I may still say that they're wrong. I, I can understand that. And other people can look at me and say, I'm wrong in certain things. Okay, that's fine. It's just that I don't have the right to judge that person. I don't have the right to make anything of that. Exactly. It doesn't have to mean anything for you personally yeah. and for how you feel towards them. Right. I think if people if people are you know struggling with this, I we just recently watched Les Miserables again, and oh, that's such yeah. a great story of that kind of illustrates all of this the the difference of between legalism and love, and and the right the way that we come at life, looking at people as human be as God's precious creation to love and to show mercy to and what a difference that can make in this world versus coming at people as you didn't fit into my box. You didn't do what I, yes. what, the, what the 
the gods of law says you should do. And so therefore you will be hounded for the rest of your life, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, Yeah. And just either the life giving, the life giving nature that it brings to the world or the death that it brings into the world. Huge. Yes. And see, I see that now looking, looking back on, I see that as narcissistic. That is when I don't look at the person as a person, I don't walk with them in their lives. I don't listen to them. Uh, I'm listening to a to an audio book right now. Um, Malcolm Glad- Gladwell's "Talking to Strangers," and I'm not done with it. So I, you know, you never you never want to recommend a book, I guess. But um, so far, I am impressed. Uh, he's just talking about listening. To others and why listening to others is so hard for us it's because we bring only ourselves into the equation and we don't think about the other as a person um, that's narcissistic that's the wrong way to approach a relationship now that's that's deep that is that is fundamental and and we talked about it already but if that goes back to our spouses and we start to, you know, we start to make ourselves pause and look at the other as a person, and accept that, you know, maybe, maybe they saw things differently, maybe they heard things differently, maybe it affected them differently, and that's why that response came to me. Um, that changes that interaction. Same thing with our kids. Can you imagine a church that does that? It's hard, <laughs> but that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. It would be amazing. And, and to have somebody, you know, stand up and talk about a personal victory that they had in their lives, um, instead of people shaking their heads and saying, well, why'd you get yourself in that position in the first place? You know, but to just rejoice because they're rejoicing. That's sort of what the scripture says, right? Yeah. Weep with those who right. weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. Right. Um, so anyway, that that's where the link is, is that, is this depersonalization. Yeah, and that totally makes sense. I I don't think I'll ever think about that the same. That's definitely going to be woven into the way I talk about this in the future. So I really appreciate all of these great insights. Um, if you, by the way, for those of you who are listening, if this podcast has benefited your life in any way, would you? consider leaving a rating and review on Apple iTunes. Here's the thing, your rating and review, um, it lets other, it lets Apple iTunes know that this podcast is actually beneficial to people and that they're listening and that it's helping them. Um, and then they show it to more people and more people can find it. So it's really important that way. Um, you can actually, I know some of you are concerned about being anonymous. You can be totally anonymous on Apple iTunes. I don't know if you've ever seen some of the reviews on there, but the names that people come up with are very interesting. <laughs> They're like, some of them are codes, you know, there's numbers and letters and they make no sense. You can pick whatever you want to leave your rating and review and nobody will ever know it's you. So it'd be really helpful. Um, and also, I just want you to know that this episode of the Flying Free Podcast and most of the episodes are sponsored by the Private Flying Free Sisterhood Education and Support Community. This community offer is closed right now. Well, actually, I, I'm trying to think when this is going to air. It opens up about every three months, but you can get on the waiting list if you go to joinflyingfree.com. Um, that community offers courses 
expert workshops of which Dave Orison has an expert workshop within that community, live coaching every week and, and more. It's for women of faith who are looking for hope and healing from emotionally and spiritually abusive relationships and communities. Again, you can find out more and get on the waiting list at joinflyingfree.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, fly free.